Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everyone. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. Uh, we are talking Ole Miss basketball in the Sweet 16. And uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of excitement around that. Before we do, we will talk about what we're drinking, or have been drinking. I am drinking a beer, a local craft brew from Austin, unlike when I talked about Shiner Rock the other day. Um, it is called Thirsty Goat, and it's an amber. Uh, it is made by the Thirsty Planet Brewing Company. I'm sure they have other beers, but it's this is like the one you see. So if you're at bars, like Thirsty Goat is often on tap and uh, and it's canned and everything. They probably have other things they want you to learn about, but like this is the one that has really caught on. And it is awesome. It's 6.5% alcohol, 6.8% alcohol. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Next time you come to Austin, we'll have to have to have some. Sounds good to me. Um, this is probably a repeat for me, but I've, I've cracked into a bottle of Havana club seven year, uh, aged rum. Uh, it, it went from Cuba where it was distilled and bottled to the United Kingdom where a friend of mine on vacation bought it at a duty free store and flew it back to North Carolina for me. Wow. Uh, and yeah, we, we still have an embargo on uh, Cuban exports, uh, right. prominently including rum, which is, mm-hmm. politics aside, really silly. They're just a tiny little island nation just vibing down there, you know? It's fine. <laughs> End it. We should definitely drink some, be able to drink rum from anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that you uh, primarily drink rum straight. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about rum cocktails in the past, but Something I was thinking about because I, I got some some rum recently. Uh, something I was thinking of it's a it's a dark rum, and I was thinking about um, is there like a my association with rum cocktails is like rum and coke and things like that, right? Which is not really mm-hmm. it doesn't really highlight the rum. What is your go to like if I only want to very slightly dilute the flavor but want to sort of like add a a nice liqueur or something like that to it. So a rum old fashioned is really good. Uh, no substitutions from the original, you know, old fashioned recipe other okay. than swapping rum for rye whiskey. Um, so like four parts cherry juice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually I have, see, you, you mentioned liqueurs. Um, there's a really wonderful banana liqueur called uh, Griffard. They make a couple of other types of liqueurs that are all based on like cognac or brandy. Um, But the banana is just like out of this world. So sometimes I'll make like a rum old fashioned, just using like a bar spoon of that liqueur and then rum and then bitters over like a big ice cube, uh, which is really nice. Uh, And if you're into bitter flavors, there's a, a cocktail called a jungle bird. Uh, which is kind of a, like a, a tiki cocktail spinoff, but it's like rum, usually like a pretty strong, you know, aged rum, and then like pineapple juice and Campari or Aperol. So like, you know, super bitter Italian yeah. liqueur. Um, and yeah, just like the mix of like the sweet and the sour and the the aged, you know, kind of smoky flavor of the rum. Like it, it's really good. 
I might try that next week. I'll I'll see if I can remember. What's it called? A jungle bird. Jungle bird. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll see if I can figure it out. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the basketball game. So since we last did the pod, Ole Miss on Friday night knocked off the Gonzaga Zags. Isn't that no? They're is that what they are? That's what they are. The the Zags, right? Let's see. Bulldogs. Oh, you're right. Of course they're the Bulldogs. I mean, I watched the whole game. You would think I would remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I'll edit it out. I'll edit it out. I probably won't. Um, speaking of remembering things, do you remember how we talked about how bad the women's draw was and how we both yeah. almost to lose to Gonzaga? And then yeah. and then the Lady Rebs just like kicked them all over the court the entire game. It was <laughs> They won, Ole Miss won 71-48, and like, it could have been a lot worse. They they did a ton of subbing in the fourth quarter, and yeah, they just dominated. Yeah, if Ole Miss had pushed, they maybe could have doubled up on Gonzaga. Like, it was 60-something yeah. to a little over 30, like, pretty late in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, one of the reasons we predicted, it's funny because I was, as soon as the game was over, I was like, oh God, I'm going to have to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> because one of the reasons I predicted that Gonzaga would win is because they were a really good shooting team. Um, they came in, if you remember from last week, shooting 42% uh, from three, from three point range, over 40%. And, and they made one of 17 three point attempts in the game which is a 5.9 percentage. Um, Ouch. Yeah, it, it did not work out for them. Uh, and I think that this is one of the the many times that the Ole Miss defense, uh, that like if you just look at the stats at the end of the game, you're like, oh, Gonzaga just shot poorly. So, you know, that, that's the reason that they like didn't stay with, with Ole Miss. But like the Ole Miss defense was just everywhere, man. That was It was just crazy. Yeah, when every team shoots poorly against you, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's there's probably a reason. And I mean, like, it's one thing when a team that shoots, you know, 32% from three instead shoots 20%. It's like, okay, well, you know, could have been an off night. But, like, from 42 to six, that's, uh, that's a big drop. There has to be a reason for it. And, it's pretty uh, crazy. Yeah, just immense pressure and non-stop effort um coach yo i don't know if you saw this this quote but it kind of speaks a little bit to what she has going she was talking she was on some nationally syndicated show uh radio show after the the upset win over stanford which we're going to get to in a minute and she was talking about like her recruiting philosophy and she said that uh she doesn't really get googly eyes over the McDonald's All-American. What she wants is a quote, Wendy's All-American. <laughs> <laughs> and like what she said, like her point is that she wants somebody who's just going to like have to try super hard in order to potentially make up for like some flaws of theirs, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody can say that. And I'm sure like Coach Yo would, would love to have a few more talented players and everything like that. But like, she definitely it plays out at Ole Miss. Um, she she will play players 
who don't seem like they're as talented as some players who aren't playing as often because they will put forth all the effort and, you know, never take plays off and all that sort of stuff. And that's what the team does. The culture is entirely like never make it easy for the other team. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly they have an advantage in quickness over most of the teams they play too. That's something that really pops, Um, you know, looking at highlights, watching games is like, they're just able to jump in front of passes, uh, weave through player. You know, they, they make a lot of plays just off of effort, but also really solid, you know, quickness and agility. Right. Yeah. I think also, I mean, you know, one thing that goes a little bit uh, unnoticed or unheralded and, and from me too, this is not just like me making fun of other media or anything like that um, is the tactical nature of, of playing defense uh, in basketball. Like, I think that we can be, it can be too easy for us to say like, oh, well, if they're playing man, then they're just supposed to stay with them. And if they're playing zone, then like they've got their, it's, it's so much about the athletes and all that kind of stuff. Like that is, that is not the case. You can tell as little as I can tell, which is not very much, but is a little bit, um, that we definitely go into games with intention on specific goals that we have around like stopping certain players and, you know, uh, going inside on screens on, on certain players and all that sort of stuff. Like, they are very consistent in the way that they defend, especially star and key players. Like they have a plan for those players. And we saw that, especially in the Stanford game. And Cameron Brink is a spectacular player and, you know, scored a lot and got a bunch of rebounds and had a bunch of blocks and everything. But in the first half, uh, they had she she scored four points and had two rebounds in the first half. In the second half, she went crazy and also that she got some whistles and uh, you know some things changed. But um, they were very methodical in what they wanted to do against her, which is uh, you know awesome to be able to see. I, I think that like it's easy to go into games and say, oh, here's who we want to stop, but like for us to be able to actually kind of act on that and and make whatever the plan is work has been so cool these past two games. Yeah. Speaking of Cameron Brink, I'm um, just looking at box scores. She made 10 of 10 free throws for the game. Is that, yeah. is that good for a, a forward who's six, four in women's basketball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was good. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I would want to talk about Gonzaga more, but I don't think there's a lot to, more to say about Gonzaga. I mean, it was just a crushing, like <laughs> yeah, at halftime, by halftime, it was like, oh, like this might just be over, uh, and then it, and it was. Um, I I kind of want to like talk about who we both think might be the player of the game in that game, but it was very even, so it's a little bit tougher than maybe normal. Uh, would you like to go first? Or do you want me to go first for who we would name player uh, of the game? Why don't you go ahead? Okay, so um, a player that I talked about last podcast and kind of said, <laughs> kind of said that like she is good at defense but doesn't fill her role offensively. 
Um, Snowda Collins. Uh, she's a very good defensive player. So she played 21 minutes against Gonzaga. And she scored 15 points on 4 of 12 shooting, 4 of 6 from free throw. Uh, I think it's her, only because, like, maybe there are players, I mean, Madison Scott scored 11 and had 10 rebounds. I, I, I hate to say that because I'm sure that's probably who you're going to go with, and maybe you still will. But uh, Snowda Collins was very much a, like, if we had someone coming off the bench who could really contribute, and Snowda Collins and Ayanna Thompson both did that, then, like, there was no way that Gonzaga was going to win. And so when Snowda Collins was not having an off night offensively, it just made it impossible for Gonzaga to come back. Yeah, for sure. I was, I think Collins is going to be my pick. I mean, easy, you know, leading the team in scoring. Um, but, but yeah, she seemed to, to have a really, really solid game all around. Um, I mean, I wasn't able to watch the whole game, but in, in what I watched, I saw a couple of cool plays from Maya Taylor. Um, yeah. I don't know. Every time I watch the Ole Miss women, she, she really like pops to me as like making a big difference and making a lot of cool plays. Um, yeah, I think I think Madison Scott would be the obvious choice, but I think Maya Taylor had a really solid game all around. Um, she was one for one for three, um, had several rebounds, four assists, um, only one personal foul, uh, only yeah. five points, but zero turnovers. Yep, yeah, which is yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, although you know, against Gonzaga, like no one player actually would have mattered. <laughs> I mean, to take away any one of those players and like, we still would have probably been fine. Um, but yeah, so let's, let's move on to Stanford because obviously a much bigger upset. So um, only five times, and <laughs> this actually changed uh, a bit more this tournament, but before the Stanford game, before the Ole Miss Stanford game, only five times since 1994 had a one seed not made the Sweet 16 in the NCAA Women's Tournament. I thought Isn't it was only preposterous? three times and Ole Miss was the fourth and then the fifth happened like the next day. Oh, is that the case? Okay, so, so, so. right after, yeah, the next day, Miami uh, knocked off Indiana uh, in order to also advance to the Sweet 16. Um, so like that kind of, Took a little steam out of the Ole Miss win, but I don't care. We got that dub. We got it first. That's right. Um, Ole Miss never trailed against Stanford. Yeah, I mean, just totally I mean, we came we came real close at the end, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think the 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 largest lead was thirteen, um, and it was cool to see because. I think everyone expected Stanford to, you know, pull close. And of course they did towards the end, but uh, early on in the game. And then like, you know, in the middle of the game through the first three quarters, every time Stanford would kind of like get closer, Ole Miss would then go on a mini run in order to kind of keep it a significant lead. And then Stanford in the last eight minutes uh, Ole Miss didn't score very much. Stanford came back, tied it up with, I don't, I don't remember now, around two minutes. I, I, I rewatched the, uh, the last five or so minutes of the game um, today just so that I could kind of be prepared for this podcast. But uh, Stanford tied it up with 
a little less than two minutes, and then Ole Miss turned. Well, Ole Miss missed two two shots, one of which was like three feet from the basket, but was a difficult shot. Um, and Stanford's All American, who's not Cameron Bank, Cameron Brink. What was her name? Haley Jones. Is that right? Uh, let me look it up. Uh, rebounded it. And I was like, oh, great. There's like a minute 20 left and Stanford gets the ball and it's tied and they're, they're a one seed. Cool. Uh, and then they missed their shot. We rebounded and it was like a back and forth. And then there were the last three possessions that were just so beautiful, man. I mean, I'm sure that anyone listening to this watched the game, so we don't necessarily have to do like a play-by-play, so to speak. But just as a reminder, the last three possessions for Stanford were a ball thrown directly to Madison Scott, who was then fouled when it was tied. And then she made two free throws, ice in the veins. Mm -hmm. And then Stanford called a timeout to advance the ball. They threw, uh, they got it down low to Haley Jones, uh, who knocked it out of bounds and the commentators were like, no, it seems like it was off Madison Scott's leg when it was very clearly was not off Madison Scott's leg. Uh, Gotta love that. And then we inbound Markeisha Davids makes both free throws. And then, uh, yeah, it's a four point game. Ultimately they throw it directly to Maya Taylor instead of to, you know, uh, Cameron Brink, who's much taller than Maya Taylor and should have gotten the ball higher. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Loved it. I remember it, it looking like a pretty good steal, though. Like, she kind of... Oh, yeah. Lane. Yeah, it, it was somewhat like a defensive back who reads a hook route and yeah. just just gets it. Yeah. that it, it had a really cool look that she, like, baited it a little bit and read it the whole way and got it. Right. It was right. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. I just, uh, I did not anticipate. I mean, I said, you know, strange things happen when you make the tournament, but that was just like a catch-all in case something crazy happened, which it did. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge upset. Um, and and then next game is Louisville on Friday night. Is that correct? Yeah, at nine on Friday. Cool, cool. Yeah, so that, we'll talk about that in just one second, but We'll do player of the game as well for this one. Uh, and I'll go first again. So even though, like, I think that you can make a case for other people, maybe statistically, um, I think Madison Scott played a spectacular game. And so she scored 11. She had five rebounds, two assists, a steal, Statistic. I mean, she she missed most of the second quarter and then part of the third quarter with foul trouble, but she finished with only three fouls. But um, she just makes so much work defensively and takes away looks that they have that don't become any stats for her, but just you know make them have to make that extra pass back out and all that. I I, I think she played unbelievable basketball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely a lot of highlight plays involving her. Um, Marquisha Davis had a really solid game um, yeah. across the, the box score. Like, 
relatively high percentage. She, I mean, I guess she wasn't super high percentage from the floor, but she made her only three point attempt. She went three for four from the line, uh, only had one personal foul, only had one turnover, um, four steals. <laughs> yeah. And, and some of them were time. like, one of them was just like, you're staring right at the person. You just reach out and grab it, which is just like the coolest steal whenever that happens, you know, like, no, you're yeah. dribbling. Well, I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, Marquisha Davis. I mean, her, her thing is she is really good at driving, driving the basket. And so we saw her score like a lot on, or I guess four times on, um, just getting there faster before anybody else could uh, and like transition baskets and that sort of thing. Her game is her offensive game is inherently going to struggle when she has to face a player like Cameron Brink. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, that's, that's the kind of like stat line and you know, the kind of effort plays that, that kind of, you know, characterize the, the whole team, you know? So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that the difficulty in picking players of the game uh, sort of highlights the fact that it it very much was a team effort. Um, yeah, you yeah, had eight really... players play. You had eight players play significant minutes. Then Ilana Eaton played three minutes. But um, I don't know. Like Ayana Thompson, the freshman, went three for four from three, and like made a huge difference in the outcome of the game. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice because she'll be much more important next year with a number of players leaving, graduating. Um, okay, yeah, let's let's move on to talk about Louisville. Um, so I actually did a little bit of scouting of them, and they have one excellent player uh, who is Haley Van Lith. She is a volume scorer. They she's the type of player that they like scheme open. Um, I'm not saying she's Marshall Henderson, but in the same way that 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 you kind of knew what was going to happen, but it was just a like, can Ole Miss get him open enough to be able to put up a shot? That that's sort of like what she does. Much also like Marshall Henderson, she's not like epically efficient. Um, she scores on the fact that she gets a lot of shots, and uh, she's not bad, poor, poorly efficient or inefficient or anything like that, but average in that um but in these first two games of the tournament she has shot over 50 percent from the floor so they need for that not to happen um after her there's a big drop off for louisville and she's also five seven she's five seven guard um mm. there's a big drop off so Kristlyn carr is their second leading scorer and she's actually someone that i had highlighted a year ago in my who should Ole miss get out of the portal uh post um, she is a very efficient shooter. She does not shoot all that often, but she's sort of the one that you have to like, she can keep defenses honest by, you know, being there and having to distract them. So they can't put all their effort on Ben Lith. But I don't know, man. Like, I think that if that Ole Miss will have a, a plan on how to stop Ben Lith and I expect that to work. I mean, you would definitely expect her to be held under her normal averages. Yeah, I mean, uh, within reason. I'm not saying like she's not going to score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, 
But, yeah. But yeah, it'd be very uncharacteristic of, you know, an oldness women's game this year if she were to have a really big night, you know, above average. It just, it hasn't happened much. Yeah. And also, like, you know, what, what, what they'll probably do is have Madison Scott playing a lot on her. Um, and that is a difficult matchup for, for Van Lith. You have to think. I mean, she's a 5'7 guard. Madison Scott is 6'1 and yeah. has insanely long arms. So, another random note about Van Lith averages 36 minutes a game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not sure how unusual that is, but it's, it's, so the, the second leading player in minutes on, on their team has 29. Uh, and then Ole Miss, our leaders in minutes all have kind of 29 ish. So like, that's, that's a lot more. Like <laughs> 36 yeah. is a big bump up from 29 minutes a game. You know, that's like, I don't know. That adds up. Well, and she's going to be, you know, pressured the whole time. So it's not like she's going to have easy minutes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you said, a lot like Marshall Henderson, he, he was just always, you know, just doing laps, wind sprints uh, right. <laughs> to get open, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, it's kind of what you do in, the, in that role, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I... <laughs> I guess I shouldn't say that this because last last week I was I said I picked against the Rebs and was wrong and that was good, but I actually think the Ole Miss will will beat Louisville um, if I if I had to pick it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to like pick Ole Miss to lose just to be contrarian because I, <laughs> I think they have a a better chance than they did against Stanford, but uh-huh. it seems like it'll be hard for, you know, Ole Miss's run to, to, you know, keep the same momentum, I guess. Sure. I can understand that. Louisville made the final four last year. So it's not like they're a, uh, a weak team, you know? No, no. Uh, so if Ole Miss beats Louisville, then they face Iowa in the elite eight. And, um, Iowa has Caitlin Clark, who is, one of the top three players in all of women's basketball. Um, She is a six foot guard who averages 26.8 points per game, uh, seven rebounds and 8.6 assists. Uh, So not all that far from a triple double. I mean, not a triple double, obviously, but not, not crazy far. Um, she is making 38% of her three-point attempts, which are nine per game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, like, incredibly well-rounded and really difficult to defend. And the tough thing about Iowa, I mean, they're they're a two-seed, so they're obviously really good. The tough thing about them is that it's not just Caitlin Clark. Like, they have two other seniors who are averaging double figures. One is a 6'3 center who is averaging 17 and a half and six rebounds, six and a half rebounds per game um, on 67% shooting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, Iowa would be really tough for Ole Miss. Um, but again, you never know. Oh yeah. Also, I mean, to be clear, uh, Iowa does have a game against Colorado, the six seed and it looks like the line is Iowa by five and a half. 
Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not... you're right. You're right. I, I'm definitely jumping to conclusions on on them. Yeah, I mean, it's a reasonable conclusion to jump to, but I mean, most people obviously had had Stanford pencil in. Uh, Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, you know, things happen. So I, I have not scouted Colorado in any way at all. Uh, but I would probably rather they... play them. Like... Oh, their top two scorers are centers. Oh, geez. That could be tough to deal with. <laughs> yeah. And I bet, so they have, a, so Quay Miller is a 6'3 center who averages 13 and 9. And Aronette Vonley averages 12 and 4. There's actually a, a player who I think went to Alabama, a men's player, who was named Noah Vonley. I wouldn't be surprised if they're related, although that could be a common last name that I just don't know about. Let's see. Uh, yes, she's the sister of NBA player Noah Vonley. Great. Huh. Just pulled that out live in real time on the pod. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, lots ahead, lots to play for. But I think that I don't want to... I, I put in the notes, like, legacy of this team. I, I don't mean, like, let's do a wrap-up of what we think, because I think that ne- next week we'll talk about whatever happens this this weekend. Um, but already I think this team has proven a ton and obviously like can be, can have their heads held high and everything. Obviously they don't feel that way. They want to win everything, but, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I see tides turning and there's, there are foundational pieces that are still going to be at Ole Miss next year and we can supplement those and. I don't know. I I think that this is a a really cool place for the program to be. Yeah, I mean it. It definitely has the trajectory of a program that is solidly turned around. You know, right? Doesn't doesn't feel very fluky at this at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not to say that every year we should expect Coach Yo to make the Sweet Sixteen, but uh, this is not a one of the worst programs in the SEC, like it was from the entire time after Carol Ross made that Elite Eight run until a year ago <laughs> or two mm-hmm. years ago. So, yeah, really fun to be able to follow them. Um, okay, so next week we will definitely be re- rehashing whatever happens this weekend. Hopefully it's great stuff to talk about. Uh, we will also likely be talking some about spring football practice and what has come out at that point. So please uh, tune in then, and until then, we'll see you when we see you.